Welcome to everyone's favorite podcast, It's Reclaimed Audio, with your hosts, Phil Pinsky, Bill Lutz, and Tim Sway. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Reclaimed Audio. This is episode 274 for February 10th, 2021. This week's top Patreon supporters are Lakeside Woodcrafter, Klingspore Woodworking Shop, Narwhal Labs, Stu Morrison, The Godfather, Jimmy DeResta, Scott Turner, Greg Mead, Chad Grossclaws, Shane Bronson, Jeff Shaw, Infinite Craftsman, LiquidRC.com, Jim Bashirs, Paul Jackman, the boys over at Maybe I've Said Too Much, Creator Nader, Wesley Treat, Rob Ray, Darren Mattis, Isotunes, love those guys, Tim Holliner, and of course, Gangi and Pop Pop Makerspace. I, I think, uh, are we due for another full read? Maybe next week? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. And you also forgot yeah. our our new sponsor. I didn't forget. No, you didn't. sponsoring a segment. They will get mentioned at the segment. Oh, okay. Okay. But he also gave love to said sponsor when he read their name. Yeah. Oh, that's right, because they're still on that list, too, aren't they? Yeah. 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 Okay. It's okay, Tim. It's All okay. Right. What are we working on? We're going to mix things up this week. We're going to Tim Sway. What are you working on this week? Um, you know, the usual stuff. I can tell you my, my story. Did it, Was I telling you guys how I bought a new snowblower? I think I, I mentioned yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and then I was saying, well, now we're guaranteed to not get snow. But, of course, I was I was wrong about that. Yeah. yeah and we got yeah, yeah. dumped on a couple times now. Um, but so, you know, I got the new snowblower and used it. And it was fantastic. Um, and, you know, I don't think I would have appreciated it if I had bought it. You know, ten years ago, when I when I should have, when my uh, that other piece of garbage I've been using for the past ten years was was already dying, and I just kept using it. But um, so I was like, I have the the trick where I can drive it over to my father in law's house and go help him there, and uh, so you know I did that. The band of side gates and right, right, exactly. The truck. So so that was the last storm. So then we just got snow yesterday, and um, wasn't that bad, like six eight inches, nothing too too bad. But um, uh, you know, I went I did my driveway and. Loaded up to go help my father-in-law because his snowblower is 15 years old and the clutch is slipping on it. So we, I just brought it for him to a repair shop to get it fixed so he doesn't have one, you know. Um, so I bring my snowblower over and I snowblow his driveway, do his walk and stuff, all that. But my, my little truck has been doing this thing for a little while now. It's got a, you know when they get older cars, they get wet like a wire or something and it starts to buck and sputter. You know, when mm-hmm. you drive in the rain. And so it does that. Like, on rainy days, it kind of runs like garbage. And then it, and it's been getting increasingly worse. And I, I, I have the can of wire dryer I spray under there. I look, I can't I can't find whatever it is that causes this. Um, so last week, you know, I drive to to and from his place in the snow. And um, and by the time I get home, it's bucking and sputtering and running like garbage. And uh, and so I go to drive to work the next day, and it's running like garbage the next day. So I, you know, I'm trying to clean it all. I can't can't figure out why it's doing it. So I, I call my mechanic and I, I record it with my phone a little bit. You know, and I'm like, all right, it does this. You know, when it's wet, I can't find it. I that's why I want to. I pay you so you can find it and I can do stuff. You know, better, more valuable with my time. You're you have a lift. You know, make an appointment. Sure enough, the next day it starts running fine. Storm comes this weekend. Um, and so Sunday afternoon is snowing out, and I'm like, well, I'm going to need the truck because I'm going to need to be moving the snowblower around everywhere and go help my father-in-law and stuff. So I'm going to cancel this appointment. Truck's running fine now anyways. Um, 
you know. <laughs> and, uh, last words. Yeah. yeah, and so I'll just I'll postpone the appointment because we have this weather. You know, yesterday we were supposed to have some more weather. My father-in-law snowblower was at the shop. I'm like, I'll just I'll just wait until this all this weather's over. So know? was it where your father-in-law lives, where you live, or somewhere in between that the truck broke down? It was exactly when I got to his driveway. <laughs> I, <laughs> I backed Obviously. into his. Backed into his driveway, and it was, like, sputtering, and I turned it off. and like, deal with this later. Let me snowblow his driveway. It's dark out. Super Bowl starting. All this stuff, you know. And uh, so we snowblow the driveway. Sure, my truck won't start. I'm out there with a wire dryer for, like, 20 minutes, and I'm like, I don't even, you know, like, whatever. I'll just, it's so light. We just pushed it. Just pushed it to the end of his driveway out of the way, you know. And um, What is a wire dryer, if I might ask? Yeah. It's like a, it's a, it's a, a can of, like, an aerosol. It's called wire dryer. And you spray it on your spark plug wires, and it helps like push moisture out. Or you spray it on your distributor okay. cap. It's like a it's like a grease that pushes moisture out or whatever. And okay. I don't know if it actually does anything, but you buy it, you spray it, it makes you feel like you're doing something. I feel like your problem started when you started spraying that. No, the problem started be- long before. I just got the wire dryer, and it just right. hasn't hasn't helped. Yeah, fire um, carb. It's carb. Carb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's electrical. I think it's so, somewhere one of your spark plug boots or your distributor somewhere is getting water in it. Yeah, and then my yeah. my father in law was saying this trick where he was like, oh, you know, I, he was like saying he remembered this years ago. He's helping someone with this problem, and the guy's trick was to to turn all the lights out in the garage and get it pitch black and look. Sometimes you could For see where it's arcing. So we even tried that. Yeah, yeah, couldn't see that, you know. And then, and again, I was like, well, this is what I pay this guy for. So, um, you know, so I just left it. My wife can't pick me up. I left in, in my, my father-in-law's driveway um, to, uh, you know, I was like, I'll deal with it in the morning. It's, you know, it, it'll probably start in the morning. So sure enough, I drive over the next morning and it starts right up. You know, it still runs like garbage, but it drives, it starts right up. And I drive, drive it down to the shop. I leave it there. And, uh, you know, and now I find out that, but so I, I couldn't, my brand new snowblower that I'm so, you know, proud to have and, and everything. I, I had to leave it at my father-in-law's house because, you know, I took the truck to the shop. So I just put it in his garage. And so now I just, my wife, you know, texts me at work today. She's like, oh, yeah, I was supposed to get like four to six inches of snow tonight. And I have my brand new snowblower, but I don't have it. <laughs> it's at my father-in-law's house. So he's going to get to snowblow his driveway, and I'm going to be shoveling mine because uh, I don't have a vehicle to go get the thing back. You know, I'm not putting it in my minivan. <laughs> you know? This story so, had everything. Ups and downs. So, like, you know, I'm like, finally, after 15 years... Don't you have a trailer? Don't you have a trailer you can tow with the van? Uh, I have a trailer hitch on the van, but I don't have a trailer. Hmm. Actually, I have a freight, man. I have a dented trailer hitch. Yeah. Well, I could just maybe just tie the snowblower to the... (laughs) But, uh, no, I mean... Have Vance drive it. Yeah, I don't think we're supposed to get a ton of... Yeah, Vance has a trailer for his... uh, For the electric trike that he built. So, we'll just Mm. do that. Mm Mm-hmm. Take the electric trike on a snowstorm. But, uh, yes, Look, so that's my, my OCD requires that you go to the mechanic and find out what the problem is. Well, yeah, that's at the shop. That's what he's going to do. I drove it okay, to the there, shop. Okay, there, okay. Please text so me it's a as soon as you know because truck, it's going right? to bug me. Okay. What's that, okay. Bill? Three yeah, cylinders? Three yeah, it's a three-cylinder. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, uh, so it's got to be a bad one. I mean, before you went to the shop, one, another trick you can do is you can you can let start it. Like, yeah. it's running all and stuff and you pull one of the spark plug wires off and mm. see if it actually calms down even though it's only running on two of the three cylinders and then you try that with each one sometimes you can isolate it that way but with it god man it might just be that the hamster's hungry bro mm. i just fed it last week <laughs> or the guinea pig excuse me yeah, mm. yeah. you think it's as so simple that's... as just a spark plug that's getting wet so when i got my truck um 
Um, I usually picked a, it up at the dealership. Yeah. When I uh, two year three years ago now, um, I picked it up at the dealership. They went to wash it, and they used a, a, a pressure, pressure washer. washer underneath the hood, and they got a little bit of water up underneath one of the boots. Yeah. And it ran it through an engine light. It ran terrible, and it's like I knew there couldn't be anything serious because I just test drove it and it was mm-hmm. fine. But yeah, a little bit of water in the wrong spot can do anything. So if those boots get cracked or dried. It could interfere. You don't know. It, it dries out a little bit. The heat of the engine will actually help dry it out. And then it runs okay. But then it's all moisture and wet. Condensation builds up, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So it could be anything. Mm-hmm. For me, but it was always usually it's too. Yeah, that's where I always have cap. The rotor be. And then yeah. this particular truck is out. It was, you know, 15 degrees out and pitch black. Getting at the distributor cap, there's actually a bolt that holds it on, like a screw or a couple mm-hmm. of them. And, I, and it's like in a tough spot to get at from above. It'd be easier on a lift and like laying on my back. And I was like, you know what? This is this is why I have a mechanic, you know? Just let, let him take yeah. this thing off and see if it's getting in there. Or if the, it all looks it, it'll good. Be, it'll be something simple, I'm sure. Yeah, it's just a matter of finding it. And then it was like... Was, Unless you blew a head gasket, then you're screwed. Yeah, but it wouldn't Ooh. be intermittent if I blew a head gasket. Yeah, it would. A head gasket will see, especially on a little motor like that, it can... It can run okay for a little bit, and then once it starts getting hot, it's getting it's getting coolant inside your oil. That's another thing you could have checked. Just oh, pull yeah. your dipstick, see if it looks like there's water on your oil. But yeah. it, it, it will it runs like crap when you blow a head gasket. It seems like it's misfiring. But would, yeah, but I would think it would always run like crap. I wouldn't assume that, unless I guess if it heats up. It, but it's the opposite when it's cold. But it doesn't sound like you're ri- driving it far every day. It's like you're, you just you, you you drive it for a little bit and you stop. You drive it for a little bit and you stop. Right? Well, I, my shop's like five miles, six miles from home. I mean, it heats up. Like if it was, yeah, you know, it would. So by the time you get from point A to point B, it starts running like crap. I doubt it. I just threw that in there to make you a little nervous. Nice I think guy. It's full rebuild. Electrical. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, but a full rebuild on this would probably take what four hours. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, twenty five <clears throat> minutes tops. It's, it's yeah. still a full re, full rebuild, but no, yeah. it's you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. No, I mean, it could, it, yeah. Yeah, that's that, that's what I, I'm checking. I mean, it could very well be something like that too. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. I mean, I, mean, I don't see any reason why it would be, but. Who knows how many miles are on it, even you know? But uh, yeah, so hopefully, what hopefully did the Carfax say? <laughs> 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 no. Um, if if you know that is always the thought too that my plan is eventually I want to make that truck electric, so that would just speed up that process, I guess. <laughs> you know, so then I can have yeah. a whole electrical system down there getting wet in the snow and shorting out. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Sputtering. But, uh, all right, that's enough. Um, uh, who's next, Bill? Yeah. Um, so I'm working a lot of doubles lately, which is great for my paycheck. Um, but I am just what my night guy is. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a whole history there. I won't go there. But what I don't wish is for anything serious to be bad. But apparently, his battery ran out on his pacemaker. Oh no! And he had to go get. So you have to go in and have that. I don't know what they do. I'm thinking now with the magnetic chargers on an iPhone, why can't you just you know do that? But apparently, you had to have surgery. They had to do that. Something that normally would have taken a few days to recover from. He's older, so he's out of the question. So good for us. He's okay. Good for us. We're getting a lot of overtime, but I'm working doubles. I ain't working on nothing when I get home. Hmm. So I'm like thought of that two to three a nights a week. Change on a pacemaker. I know. I this is the first time I've ever heard of that. How long? But it's do you like think I'm hoping they put for? an improved model in there. Yeah. Huh? I wonder how long, like they tell you, hey, listen, this pacemaker, it's got a, it's got uh, two double A's in there. It's good for nine years. Like, what's the normal lifespan <laughs> of these things? 
You would assume. I mean, well, I you're talking about millivolts, right? Of a of a, a, a it's it's a it's such a minute little electrical zap to to keep your heart from fluttering. Yes. Mm. Yes. Right. Exactly. So I, like it doesn't defib. take much. I imagine it would last forever. We imagine like yeah. a watch battery. I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure it's like a really good, expensive watch battery, right? That's you know. Yeah. Uh, but if they cheap and, out and they put it in EverReady, you know, like it's only good for right. like six months. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think Copper about those. Top. You can buy you can buy a watch battery that, like, I have, you know, my digital calipers, you know, yeah. will run for like a year on one one of those watch batteries, and I'm, I use those things all day, and they use yeah. way more energy than a pacemaker. But, but yeah, you would think that they would put a, a battery compartment, you know, like what? Well, no, the the <laughs> so magnetic just, charging just now. Have a stick the, out of your you, just, you just you just stick the little thing on your chest, and it would just you know sit still for a couple hours and <laughs> the yeah. charge you right up. Just put the yeah. filibrator right there on With low. With the USB charger, right? <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, you know what? That probably. I mean, I know we're kidding, but that's probably a good idea. It's uh, probably already in the works. You know. I mean, let let's try. What's the worst that could happen? Uh, cool. How about you, Philly? <laughs> so, um. I don't know that I specifically made anything useful, but I spent a good amount of time in the garage or in the workshop with my daughter. Uh, she's like, she's all over this. She like, she wants to be in there making stuff. So what did we make this time? We made um, a little wooden house out of some five by five inch uh, cutouts of, of plywood. And we made some rectangular roof struts and we're putting on the roof. I don't know. I guess the next session we're out there, but She's just so into it. I love it. Like, I'll be like, boys, you guys want to come in the garage with dad? No. Emmy, you want to come in the garage? Yes. You know, so nice. it's. That's awesome. I love it. So she's super into that stuff. And, uh, and and we can't figure it out because she's like just an interesting little girl. So like my wife, t- today was the first day that the, um, I guess the total restrictions, s- some restrictions have been lifted. We're allowed to go to stores again that aren't grocery or, gro- or drugstore. So mm-hmm. as a treat and because it was a, a pet day anyway, um, my wife took the two older ones to Toys R Us. I said, she's like, you can have anything in the store within reason. So uh, my son goes, uh, hmm, I don't need anything. I'm good. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, nah, I don't want anything. I have everything I need. Oh, okay, weirdo. Uh, Emmy, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> Emmy, what do you want? Just, I want a bow and arrow. What? <laughs> so, so we got her one of those, uh, you know, those suction cup bow and arrows, and she's out yeah. there like she's Katniss Everdeen, you know. That's <laughs> all those, all those, like those gender toys and gender roles are just things that are imposed on kids. They don't think this yeah, way. Yeah, I, I have know? no, I have no thing like I don't, uh, I don't yeah. impose any of that stuff. She has a dollhouse not, that she's not had in her room. It's mostly decor at this point. Hmm. Not to interrupt, I was in T-Mobile the other day, and uh, a guy came in with his, I'm guessing, 10 to 12-year-old daughter-ish, fully decked out, uh, looked like a little skater punk. And while he's in T-Mobile, she's out in front of the store going back and forth on a long board. And she went, screw that. She got out, went out to the car, got out the smaller board. She was doing tricks and stuff. I'm like, I'm just loving it. I'm just like, yes. That's yeah. just, that's, yes, yes, right? Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Just you do you. Um but I decided that because she's so into chess that I was going to make her, like, I've sort of given up on that idea of the toner transfer, trying to fake it with stains and whatever. Um, I'm going to go the buy epoxy, some. Epoxy, you're welcome. Yeah. No, that's an interesting idea, and I will explore it in the future. But her birthday is coming up in about five weeks. 
So I'm going to make her a chessboard and uh, like how we just talked about like gender equality, but I, her favorite color is purple. So I'm going to get some purple heart and some, and maybe some nice maple, like curly or quilted or something. And uh, I'm going to make a chessboard out of maple and, and, uh, and, and purple heart. And I told my wife and she's like, yes. I was like, I'm going to make the pieces also. And she's like, no, because she <laughs> wants to be part of the gift also. So she's like, I'll, we'll, we'll buy her some nice pieces. And I agree because the pieces I'm going to make are going to be not necessarily recognizable to someone who's like learning the game. I'd have to say, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. see this block with the weird cross on it. That's a rook. So I don't want to have to explain to her. I want it to be immediately obvious. So we're going to, we're going to buy her. Um, like a nice set of chess pieces, but I'll make the board, and uh, that'll be her birthday present. So I'm really excited to get started on that. Long before I was a, a maker or had a wood shop or anything like that, I bought. Well, I, I had a box like this wooden like kind of end table thing that I painted a, a checkerboard on, and I had these pieces from like you know like plastic pieces or whatever that you yeah. have. So we have and now. We used to, yeah. And then um, I, I had a roommate, and I we used to play chess all the time. Because, you know, it was before the internet when you would do stuff like that. You know, just to play chess, you know. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so I went out. There was, like, a little kind of, like, store downtown that sold, like, nice things, you know. Like, the kind of store a guy like me wouldn't go in <laughs> normally. Yeah. Sir, are uh, you lost? Right, right. Yeah. Everything we have here costs more than a dollar. The dollar store is yeah. over there. <laughs> but, um, but I saw in the window they had this, this beautiful set of wooden chess pieces. And, you know, it was like... They're like you know eighty dollars or maybe less, but it was like a lot of money for me then. And the, you know, and I bought them, and I still have them, and, I, and it is a purchase wow. that I will, I've never regretted. So, do, I would like to see some right. pictures, please. Yeah, I could probably dig them up. Um, but do cool. it. I mean, like I still play on that same crappy wooden box with my painted squares on it that I've used as a cutting board over the years and stuff. But um, but I have these That's nice cool. pieces and they're, they're weighted. And so I would say if you're gonna do it, do it right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because definitely. it's something she'll have forever. So make it regulation size. I know you're like it's tempting for a kid to make it smaller and stuff, and get no, real regulation pieces because you could probably get them for fifty, sixty bucks. Get the real wooden pieces with the weights in the bottom, and you you will never regret it. Uh, no, I agree. So yeah. I do regret that the chessboard that I did make is small, right? So mm-hmm. and the chess pieces are cheap, and every time we play and you reach over, you'll knock over two pieces as you're playing, and it's so frustrating. Because a lot of times you're like, where was this piece? I think it was here. And they no, no, it was over there. No, no, I'm pretty sure it was over here. It's like, what? This is not the kind of thing you should be worried about when you're trying to learn chess or trying to, like, think, yeah. you know, but your next couple of moves is knocking over whatever. So, uh, so yeah, I'm going to make each square an inch and three quarters or maybe even bigger. I'll check what regulation St- is. Uh, regulation is, like, two, I think, two and a quarter. It's, it's eight, a the, huge the board's, board. Yeah, the board's, like, 18 inches square is, like, the regulation size. Okay. It's, um, okay. yeah. I got I got a question on this epoxy idea. I might want to do this. Mm-hmm. So can you dye epoxy if if I if I by hand chisel out every other square, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Enough so I can pour epoxy in each one of those. Mm-hmm. Can I add dye to it mm-hmm. then? Yeah, you can you can mix uh. mix the dye in with the epoxy and pour it into the, the No, holes. but he's saying on a no, per square mix, basis. I, w- I want to pour it first. And then just mix a little bit of dye because I would. I'm thinking I want to do like a, a different color or a bunch of different colors, and then try and get that kind of like that swirl effect. Or if I mean, if I'm I would small batch with mix. It. Yeah, you could do small batch batch because you could mix mix a batch and then pour it in the individual cups. Like grab like a bunch of yes. like um shot sides ramekins or chocolate types or those little plastic cups that you get. Okay, with like salsa. okay, I see what you're saying. So, so mix your batch. You want to like, mix it. Be- d- divvy it up 18 times or whatever. 
add your color like that, mix those, and then pour those in. That'd be your. But but it'd be fun to experiment with if you if you chiseled the hole and poured the clear epoxy in, and then if you put a little that's drop in the center and took a toothpick. That's that's what I just said. You could try yeah, but that. It's not going to be a uniform color. It's going to. Like be, I don't want edges. a uniform color. I want it to be yeah. like a swirl. Yeah, you could do that. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I want I want it to actually look. I might pour sprinkles in one. I might, but if you can do that, it'll actually set with. Uh, you know, well, set. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to her. I'm gonna talk to our buddy at Narwhal Labs because I was, I was gonna say know. yeah, you can totally can. And if you watch some of the the content that Total Boat Narwhal Labs creates, uh, you'll see people making ocean waves and stuff like that doing these types oh, of yeah. things that's what i'm thinking yeah but yeah. just do it on an individual basis so each little square that's not so it'll be all wood mm. and then craziness you know what so else the you, wood squares are one and the craziness are the other you know what else you could do and i'm just thinking from a, a practicality of playing standpoint that i think that would be cool to look at but having all the different uniform colors could be a little bit confusing for the game if you were to paint inside all those chiseled out squares first like make it a solid color then put the the, the thing and then do I don't understand I don't color. understand hold on I, I agree with you but I don't know why it would have to, it would be uniform because it would be completely wood would be one side and the other side would be the other thing it's not one so, side or the other but if it, right? but if it's checkers cl- if it's clear and then you just have a, sw- a circle swirl in the middle of it of color you know it would still be that it's not wood going color edge to edge clear so I'm just saying so if underneath the yeah, because it wouldn't be going edge to edge, so it would be like a wood color. It'd almost feel like your squares are smaller in the center. So I just think if you if you painted a base coat, so you need a border, basically, is what you're saying. You want coverage, so it looks like a checkerboard, but then make it more interesting with a swirl of color. But at least there's yeah. a foundational. Right. Yeah. Like, he's right. Like maybe I, okay, I, I see what you're saying. So yeah. you would have to have. Like even before you pour it, you would have to have definition of the different squares. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like paint, paint in there a little bit. You know, make it a, a, right. a pretty like neutral a color, black. but just yeah. different than the wood. Well, it could be flat black, but that might interfere with seeing some of the colors. So you might want to go more like a light gray or something. Just something that's to differentiate yeah, yeah, from yeah, the wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you can see all your cool stuff on it, but you can still easily tell whether it's a solid or a, or a colored square. You know, colored or, right. or clear. Yeah. I got to tell you guys, our hypothetical builds. Are like are so amazing. much better than what we actually make. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> but that ought to be a new segment. We can come up once a month. We'll do a hypothetical build for the whole episode. Yeah, like money, no object, hypothetical, or maybe money is an object. No, not money. No, a practical something that's just yeah. that we can actually achieve. Yeah, well, I mean, we can like go maybe, all these maybe, things. maybe somebody listening to the podcast would actually build it. That would be awesome. A little interactive love. It's happened, like the uh, the your your boombox there, your toolbox speaker. Oh yeah, the Gary yeah. made. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I like it. That's awesome. Moving along to our topic. Damn those income streams. Right? Is that what we were saying? <laughs> damn, damn income stream. Although that's not damn bad either. Stream. Damn those income streams. Damn, comma, those income streams. Yeah. 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 Make a show number one. All right. Done. Um. So, this this topic came about because, um, you know, as we we've talked about many times before, we like to diversify our income streams. We don't just get money from one place. We try to do, you know, or or that is, you know, the traditional way that you would think of in order to make sure that you are solid in your finances. That you get money from different places as a maker or a YouTuber or a content creator or whatever the case may be. Um, and so, one of those income streams. Uh, for Tim and I has been Etsy. 
Um, Tim has expressed some frustration recently, um, very loudly, in our private chats. And, uh, and I tend to agree. I sort of abandoned the platform myself, but uh, that's sort of part of the conversation today. And I think we'll lead off with that. So, Tim, why don't you, um, why don't you tell us why you hate Etsy so much right now? <laughs> well, you know, and, it, and I feel bad about it because, like, I really do, like, owe a lot of my business to Etsy. Because when I first started, you know, making stuff part-time while, you know, still working full-time as a musician... This like 11 or 12, 11 years ago, I started that Etsy page and it was like, Etsy was different than of course. And, um, it was a very big part of how I got my business off the ground. I started finding custom clients, you know, um, and everything. So it's, it's with a heavy heart that I shut the store down. Now, what Etsy doesn't seem to understand is that they are for many people, one of many income streams. And, uh, this seems to be the, the root of the problem that I'm, I've discovered with them is they don't, they don't seem to understand that that someone like me and, and many other Etsy users that they're they're just they're not our our entire business like you're you're foolish to put your all your eggs in that basket like to like I'm a YouTuber and so all my money is based on YouTube ad revenue and then YouTube closes you know what I mean you just can't do that right so that that seems to be like at, at the root of it, my problem with Etsy and so there's there's a thing a while back when I had shut my Etsy store down because I was at a, pl- a place in time where I didn't need it and it was just not beneficial but that was the great thing about etsy is i could kind of come back and forth to it because it's one of many income streams so when i needed that income stream i could open it and i could close it and, and this that but so so then when the when i had the guinea pig tank idea i decided to launch it on etsy because i had the the store the you know it was a new product the store was already there all i had to do was just change it a little bit you know the platform is there piece of cake um let them take their commission if the product takes off i would um, you know, then look into making my own website and stuff. So, you know, I bought the URL, pointed it to my Etsy page. It was great. Product blew up so much that I curtailed my sales for a week in order to sort of re-engineer, and then I went and opened my website. But the day after I curtailed my sales, this is where I started getting they went and they sent me an email saying, whoa, you just sold a lot of stuff. We're going to slow down people seeing you so you don't get overwhelmed. And, I, like, that was, like, the first thing that upset me. It's like, oh, why, who are you to know how many of these I can make in a day you don't know anything about what I'm doing for all you know I make a thousand of these an hour like what are you talking about? you know like it was just it was like very frustrating to me and I expressed my frustration with them over that get over that hump then there's the thing that uh, I'm sure many of you listening if you have Etsy pages have noticed and if you haven't noticed go check it now they have these um, this ad partnership that every page as far as I can tell every page got automatically put into this thing where they did through Google ads, um, you would, uh, if someone searched like guinea pig tank, for instance, uh, you know, like, you know, you search boots and you get all those Google ads at the top of the Google search, you know, like, you know, Carolina shoe or whatever, all these boot companies. So if someone searched something that was related to my product, guinea pig tanks, the Etsy ad would come up top first as a Google ad. Um, and then below that would be my personal webpage. Right. So, and so now what happens is they automatically enrolled me in this. And so if someone clicks and orders this way, that's great, right? I make the sale and everything goes through, except for Etsy t- takes an additional 15% of the sale price because it was the ad. So they're like, they're saying, oh, well, don't worry. You don't pay for the ad unless someone uses it. But so now that's, that's affecting your bottom line, especially on like a, you know, a low cost item like this, or even on a large, and 50% is a huge percentage. You got to change your business plan around that. And they, you know, they, they sort of snuck it in there. 
And um, maybe I wasn't paying attention, you know, but you shouldn't have to pay attention for something like that, for them to just start taking 15%. So after like six or 10 sales go through, there's this new analytic that comes up and says, well, hey, congratulations, our offsite ads got you six to 10 sales or whatever it was. And so, you know, we made extra money and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, okay. So I turned that off instantly. But then because the product was successful and I had a good year, I mean, I I guess I I can say numbers, but I did in the the uh from you know november into the end of december or whatever and like the end of the year i did more than ten thousand dollars in sales um and so because i did more than ten thousand dollars in sales they automatically put me back in this offsite ad campaign and i can no longer turn it off hmm. and so like so this email comes and says hey because you did ten thousand dollars in sales we're rewarding you with taking only 12 percent instead of 15 percent, but we're putting you back in this thing and so I got that email. I said, like, well, no, you're not. I don't want that. And I went and there was no button to turn it off. I couldn't turn it off anywhere. So I wrote to customer support. And I told them, I was like, hey, there's like a gazillion reasons why I don't want to participate in this in this program. So, you know, please remove me from it. And uh, and they're right back. They're like, oh, well, no, hey, congratulations. You qualified for this. You know, like they had this, this kind of just writing back to me like, no, this is a good thing. I'm like, I'm like, if this were Facebook or some platform that I use for free, then yeah, you would have every right to do that. But I pay you to use your site. I pay you to mm-hmm. list, and I pay you a percentage of my sales. So you can't do that to me. You need to. And it's like, oh well, sorry, we can't do that. And and I when I took a screenshot, which I sent to you guys, I believe, showing them that if someone searched for my product, how their Etsy ad went above my personal website. So therefore, the person's more likely to click that. And then Etsy's going to make more money and I'm going to make less money because they're doing that instead of using all these things. So I was, I was like, in essence, my Etsy store is in direct competition with my business. So mm-hmm. if you if you can't turn this off, I have to shut down my Etsy store. And they couldn't turn it off. She, she, wouldn't, she wouldn't turn it off. She's like, you know, all very polite and stuff. Like, I hear you. We hear you. But this is what we do. And so I shut down my Etsy store. But, and I probably shouldn't be saying this out loud, <laughs> but I'm going to see how long I can get away with it. I put it in vacation mode and I put the message in vacation mode. This store is temporarily shut down while we work some things out, but you can still order from guineapigtanks.com. So hopefully if people do find it on Etsy, they'll be able to go to Hmm. the site and order that way. Eventually, I'm sure that they'll, because I've been raising such a stink and writing to everybody that I can get to listen to me, uh, eventually the project's got to shut my store down altogether. But I I believe that my complaint is valid and I believe that I speak for other people. 100%. 100%. So now now that you've... so basically, Etsy is not working for you, and yeah. Which, I you're mean, going to go it, another route. Right. It's so what right are some of the options that we can do? I mean, it's their right to grow and change, and I would be disappointed if they didn't grow and change. And I, and I, I, I don't expect to agree with every change they make, and there's certainly there's been some changes they made that I disagree with. Um, but just the idea of for them to, to charge me to use their service and then like enlist me without the uh, in a program that I don't want to participate in put me in direct contact mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense it's just like I it's agree just, I mean I make the, the program is probably going to work for some people there's going to be a lot of people that would probably love that program and it would be very beneficial to them and that's great they should be able to use it but I shouldn't be forced into it mm-hmm. I'm not and another thing <laughs> no but the, I think to answer Bill's question like okay cool what's the alternative I don't know that there necessarily is a competing platform to Etsy in the idea of what it is, which is, of course, that every single person that you're buying from is a small maker making things in their home or in their shop one at a time, handcrafted, that kind of thing. And that's 
I think that's the appeal of it. It's very gifty. It's very it's authentic. There's a story to all these things. Um, and my biggest problem with Etsy is, well, I have a few. But the biggest one is that they opened it up to mm. basically being Amazon. Like now you can be a reseller. You don't have to be a maker. So you can buy 15 of a thing in China and then sell it as a homemade, handmade thing on Etsy. And so they've flooded the market with all kinds of crap. Like, go look for a whiskey box now and tell me that you find one that someone in North America made or someone in Europe made or someone in South America made. (laughs) It's all just stuff that's printed in a factory in Asia somewhere. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that stuff. But one, that's not where it should be sold because that's not the promise of Etsy. Sell it on Amazon. Great, no problem. That's where that's supposed to, you know, that's where you can sell that stuff. No worries. I don't have a problem with selling that stuff. I have a problem with selling it on a marketplace that is supposed to be about handmade, handcrafted items being sold one at a time. Um, and so that that's an issue for me. And the other thing is that I find that shipping costs, uh, I just find the business model of it for me only works with one formula. And that is with a small item that is of high value. That way the shipping costs are not astronomical. And even after all of Etsy's fees, which they charge you even before the 12%, there's still 5% here and 2% there and 50% mm-hmm. the list. You know, there's like a lot of uh, 50 cents to list, I should say. Anyway, so... Um, so this is perfect. Lot. So we've got we've got two people that have taken... You know, you guys utilized Etsy, right? Yep. Now you're not. What are you going to do? What 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 other paths can you take i know there's not another platform like it but what are some alternatives that you can sounds like tim you building up your own actual website is a right go yeah like i mean the the other platform i used to use all the time which i still have open but i just basically tell people no thanks all that is uh custom made was another one that was great and you know and they continue to do their thing but i mean part of it is definitely me changing and growing too and like us growing and changing apart like phil's phil's complaints with etsy are valid and i i agree with them um, but so, so for me, it's been a process of over a decade of building up my own web presence. For ex- the guinea pig tank thing, for example, you know, it, it like it doesn't need that. Like it, it's just its market is there because the people that are buying them are sharing them. Like that can all grow organically. You know, mm-hmm. um, guitars what, what about, are um, what guitars about, are a little harder. What about? about. Uh, uh, I notice uh, Facebook has grown a lot in that manner because I know there's a lot of makers that. Um, they have an actual Facebook page mm. that shows their products and prices. Um, you know, like it, it's not it's not a personal thing or a group thing. And I don't know. I'm so far out of my element right now, but I'm well, trying to bounce. No, it's, it's true. Guys. I mean, creating a website is inexpensive. Ha- creating a Facebook page is, is free. Um, mm-hmm. the, the hard thing is getting people to find them. So what was what was great about Etsy is that it's like I'm looking for something handmade and, and you can go to Etsy and you can search. If you go to Facebook and you search... I'm looking for this handmade thing. It's much more difficult to find that Joe's woodworking mm-hmm. page. You know, it's just not designed to do that. Where Etsy is designed to put the right consumer in in line with the right maker. Specifically because they're showing you listings, right? So it's a right. grid of, let's say, 5 by 20 items. And so you're looking, yeah. okay, a uh, whiskey box. So you'd see, like, 50 whiskey boxes. And you go, okay, now I don't like any of these. Like Next one. page. Yeah. Another 50 whiskey box. Okay. And you, oh, and I like this one. Click. And like eBay, you could refine your search based on location and all that type of stuff too. Yeah. Uh, Price you know, so that, so would those eBay are be, would eBay be an option? eBay is an option. I, there's a few people, uh, or a lot of people on eBay that are doing just making things and just listing them on eBay, 
because you can list things for sale there as well as but eBay takes a very steep cut um, it's a very steep cut you know uh, it's it's mm. expensive and um, you know Amazon had its Amazon marketplace I think it still exists and just about anybody can sell on Amazon but then like that's kind of the whole point it's like we don't want to work with Amazon you know? <laughs> like we want to work against right, Amazon, well, what we're really you know? trying to do I mean like Phil what are some options that you would do now that you're not going to you're not going to utilize this one platform what are you going to do if you decided to focus on making a bunch of whiskey boxes again how could you get those out there how could you profit off of those I'm going to give you an answer and it's a terrible answer I would refine what I do on Etsy the truth is there really is no competing alternative platform. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to get away with this nonsense. Many have tried, and I've created pl- uh, profiles on many of them. Yeah, Amazon tried and they failed, right? Amazon tried and failed. Yeah. Etsy is the king of this space, and unfortunately, it is what it is, and that's why I, you know, tweak my model so that it makes sense for what they do. So, for example, before the skating rink thing took off for me earlier this winter, um, I opened up my Etsy store again. You know, I figured, you know what, a couple of bucks, Christmas coming up, whatever, I'll make a few dollars. So I put everything available, and the things that happened to sell were rolling trays. And I'll give you this in Canadian dollars because that's what it was. But I was selling them for 40 bucks a piece, and I marked shipping as $15. So 40 bucks. It takes me about half an hour to make one of these things. And uh, they're made from reclaim, so the material doesn't cost me anything, and it's such a small amount anyway. The CNC cuts it. I sand and finish the whole thing. Let's say the whole thing takes half an hour to do. Um, and then I went to go mail these things, and the, the mail cost was like $35 to ship this thing. So let's say total I charged 50 bucks. I now, uh, $35 was eaten up of that. So I made $15 for half an hour of work, it's like it's like not even, it's not even worth doing, you know. And then well, and then and then subtract from that fifteen dollars Etsy's fees. There's probably another five six dollars of fees. So I made nine dollars to go out there and do something, and then go to the you know go to UPS to ship it. It's, it's like for what? So it didn't make sense to do those. And so um, and then UPS lost two of the rolling trays that I shipped. So I had to give them back their money. So geez. I lost I lost money. <laughs> <laughs> on two of them that just didn't make any sense but I'll tell you when I was and again Canadian dollars the conversion's about 27% so whatever but when I was making whiskey boxes and selling them for $300 a piece and on top of that it was $50 in shipping that the client was paying for that made a ton of sense you know what Etsy you want to charge me 7% go nuts it still made a ton of sense right but a low value item with high value of shipping proportionately it just didn't make any sense for me. So uh, to answer your question, I don't think there are any alternatives unless you want to start building up your own website, generating your own traffic, paying for pay-per-click advertising, building up your SEO because you're competing in a space that just exists like crazy. So, so you're saying you you saying you're gonna redo how you you're gonna try and you're gonna try and game Etsy, right? You're gonna try and change what you are doing so you can make Etsy work for you. Yeah, if I were going to. The truth is I've run out of time to do that kind of stuff. Between right. my own business, between the skating rinks, the kids, but you see, the that's, that's where I. That's why this this last one sort of hurt because that's basically what I did with the tanks. It's like I had this idea. It was a little bit different than Phil's model. It's a, it's a low cost, but it's a low shipping cost because they weigh nothing. Super simple pack, 
super simple to put together, high volume, low cost, you know, um, thing. And I was like, this is perfect for Etsy. It's got all the right things, the keywords, the, the, the time of year it was. This is great. I'm going to game Etsy. And I did, and I was successful at it. And in my opinion, they're punishing me for my success by making me compete with myself outside of their platform. That's well, the, you're, you're, they're, you're, they're preventing you from competing with them. Right, they right. want all that business to right. funnel through them so that they can take their twelve percent from you. Yeah, which is not cool, and so that's why I'm out. So you know, I mean, to but to answer your question, like, what would I do instead of Etsy? Like, well, this particular product, I'm okay, right? I'm not shutting down my Etsy store completely because there might be a time where I have another product that that I feel like the system would game out properly for me, so I still have that store in place until they boot me off or on my mouth and off about them, because that could happen too. <laughs> First Amendment. But, um, <laughs> I don't think it works that way. <laughs> um, you just but, have to say it. Uh, th- yeah, right. Just have to say it. it doesn't have to mean anything. Um, the uh, I would, and I continue to tell people this: look local. Use the internet to find local people. Like Phil's shipping things. Shipping is such a nightmare. Such a pain in the neck. Fi- use these tools to figure out where your local clientele are. You know, I, I say it all the time. Connecticut has three million people. One percent of them, and I'm busy for the rest of my life. All Please never I, say one percent again. Like that well, is like the business school. <laughs> like everybody goes, if I could just get one percent of one percent, I would be a billionaire. The right, truth right. is, is that for local, and this is my opinion, but for local, what makes sense is furniture, because mm-hmm. yes, shipping is just you know astronomical if you're going to ship something across the country. But people Absolutely. want that local story when they when they buy a piece of furniture. Yep. Which for, gives more value, and, the, and, the, and there's more value for you because it's like you can deliver it instead of shipping it. Yeah. And, you know, if, if it's, it's that small local. gifty things, I don't see happening. Like, I can't make a whiskey box and sell them locally. Like, there's just no. not enough people who are going to look well, for now you're that talking, specific you're thing. talking craft fair, and that's already full up. There's guys, the craft fair yeah. thing, unless you got, like, you know, if you can show up with a specific, like, I'm the guy that makes <clears> guinea pig tanks, and no one else is making guinea pig tanks, but the next year is guaranteed yeah. someone else is going to have them there. And but no one's coming with $300 cash to buy a whiskey box for me at a, at a craft no. fair. You no, know that's I mean? a like losing. A, that's not going there to sell $20 cutting boards and like that's what it becomes well, uh, it's a race to the bottom I, I don't know what it's like in Canada but I can think of somebody who does sell high end easily made uh, John and uh, Matt DiResta in LA they go to the flea market and they're making a living by selling $600 $1200 tables and chairs at the flea market yeah so but they've yeah. created there are people something that for go themselves. to a specific yeah. well, they're, they're, but, but there's certain places that people do go with that kind of money to spend on yeah, there are they there are do. flea markets and stuff, but honestly, I bet you if you were to ask them, I, I bet most of their day to day costs is um, like their little signs that they make. I don't want to say what they say on the podcast, but no, you know, no, I, I know that. They, but I mean, they, but they, they still... have that chum, and I think it was John that, that called it that the chum that would bring people in, right? And, yeah, uh, and like that's a big part of it too, because that is the flea market crowd. You know, I so would go, also call that a, the exception. Going to a craft, yeah, they going to a craft show something. and only having cutting boards is probably not a good idea. Going to a craft show and having cutting boards and stools and beer totes and maybe a couple of coffee tables. I mean, so really having, mm-hmm. I would think that having that diversity to literally bring a store with you, right, is going well, to be a lot more successful than just bringing the one item. No, that no, can no, be no a double I agree with you. I meant more that the the price point of what people expect to pay at a craft yeah. fair. They think, can be a oh, it's handmade. You too. made it, if so you it's have, cheap, right? Like, I used to go because you know all my stuff was made of trash and everything looked different. I used to go to these shows and I would just it was just 
difficult for people to look at. Like there's always weird things with tires and lights and, you know, odd shapes, you know, and colors. And it would be difficult for people to look at it and understand and figure out if there's anything they're even interested in. So they just walk by. Whereas if like I'm in the market for a cutting board and there's 50 beautiful cutting boards there. Do you think that would be true today, though? Just out of curiosity, I bet you that the people wouldn't be as shocked at seeing it's so it's a thing now, right? Reclaimed yeah. and making stuff out of garbage. I think it's so much more known. Well, the sure, story's been told before you have to tell it, so which yeah, is good. But I'll tell you something else. So going to a crap. Okay, I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. When you make something ahead of time, it has significantly less value than if someone asks you to make it. True. 100%. So that's where these craft fairs, you've got 10 cutting boards, two coffee tables. They have the ability to look at it and say, give me $100 for that. Whereas if someone comes to you and says, could you build me a coffee table? It'll be $1,000. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. Are you going to so make it exactly the way I want it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That, that's where the um, using the internet and the tools of the internet to find your local audience is kind of you know what i was saying and what i mean like that craft share i just i don't feel like that's i mean that's one way to find customers if you show up make one beautiful table bring it to the craft show and say this is not for sale what can i make you Uh, you know what i mean like there's that side just have it like rent the booth and just have one gorgeous eight foot long farmhouse table right like you know what about a portfolio bring with you same exact thing but also have a portfolio these are what other clients have bought yeah right these are the custom items that other people have bought yeah but you, you can do that, that book you're like oh, you can do I that can. all day on Facebook you can do that all day on Facebook no can, no but you're finding people who want to buy stuff that's handmade and likely the price range will not be compatible all, but you may find a couple who but I like that idea a lot you only need 1% showing up 1%. with a demo model yeah you only need that 1% of 1% <laughs> yeah. but um, but uh, the um, you know like there's all these like local and specific groups on facebook is where i think that like i i know there's a couple local groups you know for where i live that my wife is in and i I think i joined a couple of them but um they always like usually they have the rules that are like no plugging your business right they have you know wednesdays are you're allowed to plug (laughs) your business right Right. so do it hey Mm -hmm. here's this this is you know this is the coffee table i just made for this guy last week or last year or whatever what can i make you and, you know, just if you just keep doing that, you're going to get the same kind of eyes as you would if you set that booth up yeah. at the at the craft show. And they might be interested. They might remember you. They might forget you, just like at the craft show. But it's free, and you can do it every week. And you don't have to leave your living room. The other thing that's super on. important about the power of Facebook is referrals. Yes. You'll get known as that guy, and then you'll see when somebody posts another question somewhere else. Anybody know where I could some I could find somebody to make me a coffee table? Someone yeah. will tag oh, Tim Sway. Guy. You'll come in, and then all yep. of a sudden, oh hey man, yeah, oh thanks Paul for that introduction. Uh, hey Frank, yeah, what can I make you? And then it starts that like yeah. that happened to me a million times because of the ice rinks. I just became known as that guy. Yeah, Frank Snyder is a, a real good example of that because he's known. He's got an online presence. He's got a, a physical store and he's also got i'm sure he does a lot of business online for adirondack rustic roads where he's got his shtick where he makes these beautiful maps or, or uh, lake cutouts and then fills yeah, them in with epoxy and yeah it's beautiful yeah, i mean it's just yeah they're but he's that yeah. guy yeah 100 percent. he's that guy. exactly he's, he's that's that what guy. he does where do you live what's your lake look like here's your guy <laughs> you yeah. um cool i think that i think we solved the world's problems but no, we didn't we do. We didn't component. do the stuff we were going to start doing at the beginning of the show. 
Oh yeah, we did. Uh, we, yeah. What was it? the reviews? We're supposed to do this at the beginning now. No, but we're also supposed to solicit everyone's business. Remember, we were gonna say about the thing and the Patreon. Yeah. Oh, that's what. Yeah, that's what. We're yeah, still yeah, doing the reviews at the end. Yeah, yeah. Hey guys, you know what a great way what to help us stay on the air is patreoncom uh. audio. What do you get for that amount of money you spend on Patreon? For as little as one dollar, you get access to the pre-show where this professional group of podcasters plans out to a T the main show episode that you're listening to right now. Um, and for $10, you get your name read out loud with the heroes mentioned at the top. So that's that's always fun. Um, and so that's super cool. And uh, and also, we're, I'm going to talk about reviews right now. Those iTunes reviews are... I, I know everyone thinks like, yeah, I'll leave it another time. Or, man, I don't need that. Honestly, take a couple of minutes. Do us a favor. Leave us those reviews. They are super important. A five-star review is, frankly, the only one you should bother using. And if you leave a five-star review, we will read it out loud. And if it's funny... Then that's just a bonus for everybody, I think, right? You know, speaking of of review heroes, we have a new hero this week to be read, and the reason he's a hero is because it's a five star rating from the United Kingdom. Uh, Ricardo Debar is the name. Title: It's a hit, and the review is simply: I see three reasons why I love this podcast, and he doesn't list the three reasons. I'm guessing it's Tim, Tim, and Tim. It's an hey. audio-only podcast, so what is he seeing? <laughs> he sees the potential of Bill, is what he sees. Yeah, yeah. I also seeing that potential. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been looking for it. One day, it'll realize itself. Um, yeah, so that's that's awesome. I, but wasn't there a second component to this topic that we were going to talk about? We were like, ah, we don't have enough for a full topic with this. Well, the idea was don't put all your bags in one basket. So we, yeah. if, if you're if you're going to try and utilize any one main thing, and that's your main source, you you should have some backup, or at least over time, if you're, uh, I think Tim, I, you're a good example of you concentrated, like you said, maybe on Etsy when you first started, but all these years you've now been building little by little to where you've got. You've got other options. So the idea is that don't just rely on one specific thing. And everybody knows this. We've said it before, but it was just hitting it home again. You run into an issue. You run into a whatever, something with one of those streams. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to make some adjustments or I'm going to put it down for a while. I'm going to do something. But I've got these other ways that I can go. You know, And right. now, definitely in this community, you've certainly got other contacts and other friends and other, other areas to get help from as well. Hopefully listening to this podcast. Well, that gave me yeah. goosebumps. That was really good. Um, let's, uh, let's move into our ISO tunes. Wait, wait, wait. What? what? Uh, uh, no, no, no. I, what? I, just, I, just, I want to do it big. I want to do it really big. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the one and only ISO tunes tip of the week. Huh? No, that was that was something. Wasn't that I something could, special? I could bring the drum set over and actually do the full do a full drum roll this time. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, okay. Why don't we? So we have um we have well we have a few that were uh, that were recorded in. So thank you to everyone who um, who submitted tips. But I think we're just gonna choose one this week. Yeah, uh, we're not we're not gonna be able to do them all, but we do have one that we wanted to share this week. Um, it's a good this, one. Um, you know, actually, we'll before it. we 
before we share this one, and it's the, by the way, if you want to send us a review, you can send it to info at reclaimedaudiopodcast.com and you can type it to us and we'll read it, or you can do what Andrew Hatch did and he sent us this little recording, which we're going to play in just a second. Andrew before. Hatch from Hatch Made It, by the way. Let's let's make sure he gets the full shout. Right. Hatch Made It. He does have a YouTube presence and uh, he's an online presence as well. Yes, I left. Uh, I'm going to leave all that in the clip that we play. But I wanted to point out, I have oh. this. I have an auxiliary tip that is Isotune specific that I wanted Ooh, to I throw like in real quick. So um, I prefer. Well, I, I don't want to say prefer. It depends on what I'm doing. So I, I, the link uh, we recently got the the full earmuffs. I really like those um, because the CNC is loud. And that's when I you know I wear them a lot. So like if I'm, I like the um, just the regular ones. Oh, geez, what are they called with the the, uh, the, the extras? Yeah, the extra 2.0s, those are my go-to, like, because they're light and you can wear them around your neck like a necklace plug them when you need them. But, but when the CNC is running and you're doing all that loud stuff for a while, the the links are perfect because they're you know you can they're nice and they protect better, they're bigger, you can play music through them. Um, but what I also like about them is, um, you know, they're comfortable to wear and stuff. But so if I'm wearing those, chances are I'm wearing a mask too. Um, because it's like this, I'm doing something loud and noisy, and there's usually a lot of sawdust involved in loud and noisy. So, the if there any good came out of the COVID era, um, it's the proliferation of N95 masks that go over your two ears, right? Instead of having to be, because it used to always be you'd buy these masks and you'd have to pull the rubber bands over your head. Mm-hmm. So there's always a hassle. You'd have to take your hearing protection off, take your hat off, take your glasses off sometimes to pull these rubber bands over your head. I know where he's going with this. And I love it. Put it on. Right, and and so they were always a big hassle, and nobody ever wanted to wear them. But now with the double ear straps, it's easy to take them on and off. So what I do, and <laughs> I love that Bill figured it out, is I put I take my headphones, my links off, and I put the mask over one ear, and then I put the headphone back on, and then the other ear, instead of pulling the headphone off and putting it on my ear, I just pull it right over the headphone when I want the mask on. And then I can and I and I breathe through the mask while I'm working. And then when I want to take the mask off, I just pull it right off the outer side of the link. And, and the other hang, side holds it on and, from and, falling and off. It doesn't fall off because the big link muff is holding it onto my head. So that's my tip. Get a pair of links. Get the two-year N95 dust mask. Don't mess around with those Velcro ones and all that stuff that are expensive and complicated or the things that go around your head. And this gives you plenty of protection. <laughs> it's it's the best thing ever. I just all day I'm walking around with my links on my head with this mask hanging. So now it's not a hassle. Like, I used to always do the bandana, right? And now it's not a hassle to just grab it and put on some proper protection when you're doing a quick cut or something. I love nice. it. Nice. Well done. By the way, um, anybody can get Isotunes with the Reclaimed 10 uh, coupon code. You get $10 off anything in that store that is yeah. a, you know, uh, a piece of hearing protection equipment. Um not accessories or anything like that, but anyways, ten dollars off, which is more than ten percent off. Especially some of these items are, you know, not, not that expensive. Yeah, somebody asked me that. Is, it the, is that ten percent? No, it's ten dollars. So, yeah. and because their products are extremely affordable anyway, that's I think that's like seventy, eighty, ninety percent off. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's like I a thousand percent off. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. almost free. In fact, they might even pay you to buy their products. I'm that's, not sure how this works. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting economic model, but somehow it works for them, so it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever, yeah. you know. Um, Okay, now we'll play our tip from Andrew Hatch. Hello, Reclaimed Audio. This is Andrew over at Hatchmated on Instagram and YouTube. You can edit that part out if you so wish. But my tip for the weekly tip segment is get yourself some cheap craft store magnets and cover up the gaps in your table saw. Makes it easy to take off 
put on and improves the airflow, directs the airflow to where you want it to go. Anyway, thanks for the great show. Hope the tip helps. And look forward to hearing from you next week. I love it. Brilliant, simple, but no one would have ever thought it. Like, I never thought of that, but I, I love the idea. Right. Just to clarify, too, though, because um, uh, buying sheet magnet, like you, if you want to make your own refrigerator magnets, you go to the craft store, you buy that. Like I think they come in like 8 by 12 sheets, and probably yeah, bigger, too. Because so. on the side of cars, they use the, that sheet magnet to make advertising. Using that sheet magnet, it's genius, especially yeah. like on a table saw where you can cut a slot in it to go over the, the adjustable 45 degree angle crank um, for the raise up and down crank. It actually, mm. again, the more you can isolate all these gaps where air is in, your dust collection is going to just improve a billion percent. I wonder how many tips we can get like off of this tip. How many people, hey, that's an idea, but what if you did this too? Don't, mm. don't be afraid. Go ahead. Let us know what these tips are. Yeah, info at reclaimedaudiopodcast.com. That's a, that's a great idea, too. Kind of like our, our conversations tend to build off each other's ideas. There's no reason why these right. tip things can't go down those rabbit holes. And we will play as many of them as we can. We can't, of course, play them all, but we'll play as many of them as we can on the show. We'll play the best ones. Every week, at least one. That's guaranteed. Best ones. Slip us a 20. It always helps. Um, oh, yeah. What? I forgot to mention that. Of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah. That in and of itself is a tip. Slip us a 20, and you'll get your tip read first. You're welcome. Or if it's written in the form of a five-star review, <laughs> it by default will get read. <laughs> wow. That's two like, birds, Tim. Oh that's a twofer. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> Mind blown. It's a tip or tip. I like it. What um, grabbed your attention this week? Let's go to Bill first this time. You know, um, something pretty amazing. Izzy Swan is uh, partnering with, uh, I don't know the name of the company, but this... It's another tool. You know, Izzy is, he's always one for creating and inventing tools and devices to help in the shop. Well, he's partnered with this one company that makes a tool called the Grabo. And basically, it's a battery-powered suction cup that you can use to lift up heavy sheet goods. Not necessarily wood, but like heavy plastic or metal. Mm -hmm. Um, When I saw this thing, I'm like, this is genius. This is like the, it's a real world version of what Tom Cruise uses to scale the side of the building in Mission Impossible, right? It's a, it's handheld. It's almost Mm -hmm. like a large old hand, uh, old telephone handle. You stick it on, you push the button, it goes, it's got suction. It it, uh, lifts up to, what do you say? uh, 300 pounds, something like that. It's crazy. It's probably, it's probably cantilevered also, so it's easy for you to lift, right? Right. It's made like a handle to attach to yeah. um, marble or metal. And, and mm. if, if go to um, um, IzzySwan.com, of course, Maker's Playground. That's where they're selling them. And it's the price of a good corded tool anyway. So it's it's not it's not a $15 item. It's, it's what you're going to pay for a cordless tool. And it's amazing. And I'm just like, in my mind... Uh, the applications for that, in, especially in bigger shops, is going to be incredible. But I was just like, if Izzy grabbed onto this idea and he's helping partner with it, we know it's a good thing. So mm-hmm. I could have used that when I was pushing my truck around the driveway last night. Could have just you could it create handles pulled. to actually yeah. pull the truck. <laughs> yeah, but that would have doubled the weight of the truck. I mean, ah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> what grabbed your attention? How about you, Tim? Tim? I, I honestly don't have anything written down. I have to, because <laughs> like, as you guys know from the pre-show, I just, uh, I've just been re-watching Battlestar Galactica. That's, that's it. I've just got sucked in again. Like I'd never seen it, even though I know it's what's okay. going to happen. And I'm just, I'm just 
plowing through that, and I haven't really watched it. But you don't else. remember how it happens. Right. It's like every time like some new character comes in or some like there's some new it's like, Oh, that's right, oh, there was yeah. that guy and he was a Cylon and Yeah. Well spoilers. <laughs> we had fun we had fun imagining all the other different shows that Katie Sackoff is on, so that was fun. Yeah. 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 That's true. Um I like the little guy for these recommendations. Um I'm gonna mention two of them. One of them is a good friend. Um so Pete from Lakeside Woodcrafter has put down oh, a yes. whole we love of Pete. Yeah, uh, Pistol Pete put out a bunch of videos, and they're all really good. You know what? They all—they're kind of like project videos, but also very vloggy. Because like, you know, Pete's personality is very down to earth, very like, you know, like you're standing in his shop and sort of explaining to you what he's doing in his video, and I love it. So check that, that out. That is like such a talent, too. Seriously, the ability to do that narrative version of your uh, video—I don't have that talent. And uh, Pete is really good at it. So well done, Pete. He's awesome. Pete's a good dude, too, so go check him out. And the other one I just discovered today that I really enjoy it. It's called Cowdog Craftworks. And uh, he also has this very, very um, good narrative style where he's, like, really telling exactly what he's doing. I watched this uh, Nicholson Workbench video, which was half an hour long, but I breezed through the whole thing. I was like, really? That's it? That was the whole thing? And I find usually I have a hard time with those long-form videos, but this one was was really, really good. Um, and I started watching some workbench videos because uh, I think I just said last week that we are going to be doing some renovations in the house uh, coming up this summer, maybe even the spring. And so the conversation came up about potentially moving the, um, the workshop from the garage to maybe a dedicated room in the basement. So I was starting to think about machine placement and workbench and all these things that we think about when... You know, shop moves happen. You know that could be um, that could be a topic because I've been thinking about um, redoing my shop as I'm becoming more and more guitar centralist. Yeah, right. And uh, and one of the things I've been thinking about is actually building a proper workbench for the first time in my life. Wow. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I love it. Yeah. Like I wouldn't do it otherwise. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Like these things yeah. with T tracks and clamps are like fun, but. A proper woodworking bench with a vice. I, I, I don't know how you'd do it otherwise. Yeah. Anyways, just my opinion. Not the opinion yeah, so, of the podcast right. or any of its sponsors. My own personal opinion. Just putting that out there. Thanks. I don't want to get anyone. No, trouble. I can get you a good deal on a sponsorship, Phil. Can you? About $10 yeah. worth? Our websites, unless you have anything to say otherwise. Good. No. No. Tim? Nope. All set. Our websites, williamlutes.com, timsway.net, newperspectivesmusic.com, guineapigtanks.com, and what the heck, a little extra value, isotunes.com. Don't forget to use that Reclaim 10 code to get $10 off your purchase. Um, And we said it before, but I'm going to say it again. Contact us for show topics, suggestions, feedback, tips segments, info at reclaimedaudiopodcast.com, or hit us up on Twitter at reclaimedaudio iTunes reviews, leave us those five-star reviews and we will read them out loud. Patreon.com slash Reclaimed Audio for as little as $1 you get access to that pre-show and then all the magic that happens backstage. And uh, and for $10 you get your name read out at the top and uh, and you know, you're know you 10 times more appreciated. But still very much appreciated at the $1. Wow, it's quite the balancing act, isn't it? Um, I'm going to leave it there. Guys, have a great week. <laughs> Bye everybody. Be good.